1: I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW group. or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus.
3: For over 30 years, call now for a free bid. Dial pound 250, then say SNS and Roofing.
4: Listen, and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS.
0: You know, I've spent a uh, good portion of the day today... Really trying to figure out what that stuff is that's falling from the sky this afternoon. I can't quite figure that out. I mean, it's, it's you know, if you get hit by it, you feel it. It's, I guess it's wet. I mean, could that actually be water falling from the sky on the state of Utah today? I mean, it's not much. I mean, it really isn't that much. At least, at least down here in the valley, Abby was telling me she lives up in the mountains and she said they got a pretty good rainstorm up there, and it has caused some problems out there. By the way, if you're on the highway right now driving, be careful, because, you know, this rain and you get all the dust and some of the oils coming out of the road, it can get a little slick out there, and I think we've already got another tractor-trailer that's hanging off a freeway somewhere. So be very, very careful today, but isn't it nice to have kind of a cooler day and maybe some rain? We need a lot, and let's not get too excited about this, but at least it looks like we have a little bit of rain today, and it will stay cool until we get into next week, and then we're back into the uh, triple-digit temperatures. How are you, everybody? Hello, Utah. Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday afternoon, right here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen in, you'll know. Now, we've got a lot to get to throughout the show today. We've got a great, great show today. Uh, Kamala Harris is headed to the border. We are going to the border uh, during the show today and talk to someone who's been right down on the border has talked with a rancher who's really been impacted by this, and a great story about the cartel cutting in to the border wall and how long it took to get it approved that it could be repaired. It's a pretty amazing story, and we'll tell you that. the, um, The Biden administration is not incompetent when it comes to the Border Patrol and border security. They know exactly what they're doing. And they are going to let as many people in as they possibly can. And, you know, there's no way to stop them. I mean, there's no way to stop it right now. And they're just going to keep coming and coming and coming. And that's exactly what Joe Biden and the little commie wants. So we'll talk about that. Also coming up a little bit later on, um, defunding and better training for police. How much training or what is involved in de-escalation training? There is a Utah lawmaker who wants to expand escalation training, de-escalation training, I should say, here in the state. And we'll talk with her coming up a little bit later on the show. All right, you've got the Delta variant of the coronavirus, right? It is impacting primarily younger people. Here in the state of Utah, we'll talk to Dr. Brian Shiazawa. He will join us a little bit later on, and we'll continue with our um, conversations that we're having with you on a weekly basis now about suicide here in the state of Utah. We'll talk with the um, co-founder of what is called Continue Mission. It's an organization that appeals to veterans as they deal with suicide and thoughts of suicide, and that will be coming up later on in the show. So we've got a great show lined up for you today, and as always, we invite you to be a part of it, 888 570 888 570 or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. All right, this was kind of weird today, you know, it was, just, it's just, this whole thing is kind of Screwy, in my opinion. But, you know, the big news of the day, of course, is that the president and some um, both Republicans and Democrats have now agreed on an infrastructure plan to the tune of about, what is it, $1.2 trillion, something like that. Uh, And the president came out today, and he announced the deal with a lot of senators surrounding him. I even think, yeah, Mitt Romney was there today because he's been part of this coalition putting something together and trying to get something done on infrastructure. Why couldn't they get it done when Donald Trump was in the White House? Donald Trump tried. I mean, Donald Trump knows the importance of roads and bridges and, uh, you know, good sewers and good water. You know, he's a builder. And he tried, what, on a couple of occasions. But he couldn't get the Democrats to go along. So why are Republicans going along this time with the Democrats who all of a sudden want infrastructure? You thought about that. But during, you know, so they have a meeting today. At the White House, the deal was announced last night. They go to the White House and get Biden to sign off on it, and he has. But what's was really weird about that, now, what have you noticed ever since Joe Biden has been president of the United States when he makes a public statement? What have you noticed? Well, you've noticed that Kamala Harris is usually standing right beside him or just behind him, right? To show they're a real team, she's always there. Well, when this announcement was made today, she was standing way off, almost behind a pillar. I mean, it really was weird. You know, she's standing behind a pillar, way off from this group, kind of just watching it, and everyone's trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with her. I mean, she's not even in this shot. Um, you know, and then, here, here, here's another weird thing. Now, after that, the president had another event at the White House. And um, he's talking about infrastructure, and he's really, he's kinky again. I mean, he's whispering. I got the deal. I mean that's how the guy talks to the American people, like we're children for crying out loud. But during that announcement, before he leaves the stage, you know what Kamala Harris has to do? She walks up to him and reminds him to say something about the victims of that building collapse in Miami. He completely forgot about it, didn't realize he shouldn't say shouldn't should say something, but she had to walk up and tell him. Uh, Mr. President, you may want to say something about what's going on in Miami. And then he finally did. But he he, he, he completely forgot about Now, the big, the big story tomorrow is going to be the fact that Kamala Harris is finally going to the border. All right? Big, big deal. Jan Psaki, who is the uh, spokesman for the White House, tried to spin her trip to the border tomorrow. But in the process, Psaki basically admitted the border was out of control. She also claimed falsely that they are making progress. But there's a problem now as to where Kamala Harris is going on the border. Guess where she's going. It's not the area of the border where she should be going. Kamala Harris is going to El Paso. El Paso has big fences. They don't have a security problem in El Paso. Where they do have a problem is the Rio Grande Valley, McAllen, Texas. And she's not going there. She's not even going to the place where the real problem is. Now, you have to wonder, all right, now, why isn't she doing that? Well, first of all, El Paso is not as bad as McAllen, Texas. Okay? Uh, So when the cameras are on, you know, it won't look like a desperate situation. You won't see people illegally coming across the border, where if she was down in McAllen, you might have a very strong likelihood that you would. Um, The second thing is... That she will be talking to people who like her. <laughs> She's going to have Democrats all around her, uh, and will not ask her tough questions because if she goes down to the Rio Grande Valley, she may run into someone like Congressman Henry Cuellar. Now, Henry Cuellar is a Democrat from Texas, and he has in it's just he has constantly said to Kamala Harris, "If you're the borders are." then get your fanny down here, for crying out loud, and see what's going on. But she's avoiding it tomorrow, but she can at least say, if Lester Holt ever asks her again, she has been to the border. Interesting, isn't it? All right, when we come back, more to come on the Radar Ketchow. We'll be talking about coronavirus a little bit later on, the de-escalation training for police. Do we need to expand it here in the state of Utah? That's all coming up on the Radar Ketchow and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS Listen, and you'll know. Taking center stage today on the Rod Kencho Show is a company. Now, I've never heard of companies like this before, but this one here in the state of Utah is absolutely amazing. It's called Thrive Appliance, and joining us to let, tell us all about it is Scott Dias. All right, Scott,
5: what is Thrive Appliance? What a unique concept this is. Um, we're pretty excited about it and have been for a while. Our Thrive Appliance, what we do is we sell factory-new scratch-and-dent appliances for the home. And that's all you do? And that is what we do, and that's what we offer.
0: Now, what kind of appliances are we talking about, Scott?
5: We have every appliance that any home could need, from dishwasher to refrigerator to microwave ranges, washers and dryers, and anything else in between. How
0: do you get the scratch and dents? Where do they come from?
5: We We actually get them from multiple locations. We have some agreements directly with manufacturers, where we get truckloads directly from the manufacturers, people like LG, GE, and things like that. And we also have uh, contracts with third-party liquidators out there who do the legwork with a lot of the retailers. Mm -hmm. So we get them from the Home Depots and the Lowe's and the RC Willies of the world, but we get them through liquidators and full truckloads.
0: Okay. Now, if I'm somebody looking for appliances right now, we're looking, uh, speaking from my own personal experience, you're looking brand new anywhere from three to six-month delay before you actually get it. How about with Thrive Appliance? Well,
5: that has been the beauty in our little secret sauce, I would have to say, <laughs> because with Thrive Appliance, you can come in and pick it up today. All of our appliances are ready to go on the sales floor for sale, ready to, for, to go home today or to be delivered.
0: All right. you uh, These are scratch and dent products, but how do you test them to make sure they function properly or into doing what they should be doing, Scott?
5: Well, in both of our locations, both Salt Lake City and Pleasant Grove, we have complete testing facilities for all of the appliance I just mentioned. For instance, all of our refrigerators prior to sale, 24 hours in our back room, plugged in, but also plugged into their water. So we're making sure they're getting cold, staying cold. Compressors are kicking on and off. Ice machines are working and distributing ice. Full functionality on all of the machines. Same thing with our washers, our dryers. Uh, run full loads, a couple of cycles, dishwashes, Everything is run through prior to going to the sales floor.
0: If you want to learn more, and Scott will be with us on center stage throughout the day today, right here on the Radar Ketchup. they have two locations to serve you in Pleasant Grove and in Salt Lake. And if you want to learn more, just go to a thriveappliance.com. That's
6: today. Low Book Sales, Low Sales,
7: Low
1: Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S.
0: The Rod Arkcio here on Utah's Talk Radio 1059, Can arrest listen, and you'll know. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk with a uh, state representative. She says she'd like to expand de-escalating tra- de-escalation training here in the state of Utah. But police are saying we're fine with that. We just need the money to do so. And we'll talk to her about that coming up in the, uh, in the, uh, at 435. In the 5 o'clock hour, I have a good friend. And I've, I've known this friend for a very, very long time. We've worked together in this industry over the years. And um, he wrote, he shared with me a, a, I think it was a Facebook posting that he wrote after the arrival of his son, who is one of the last Americans to leave Afghanistan. It's a fascinating Facebook posting. He's a wonderful writer, by the way. And I'm going to share portions of that with you, and then I've got a question for you following that. But I I invite you to stay tuned with us in the uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. Um, you know what's kind of funny? There is a, a new Fox poll out, and it takes a look at the so-called... Um, Lab leak conspiracy theory, right? Today, according to this poll, 60% of the people surveyed in this poll believe that the virus, coronavirus, was created by scientists and leaked from a lab in China. That's nearly double the 31% who think the pandemic started naturally. Now, one name you may have heard at times, many of you may not have heard this name, is a man by the name of, of Peter Daszak. Now, Peter Daszak uh, is a gentleman. He works for EcoHealth Alliance. It's a non-governmental organization funded by the U.S. And apparently, were able to take some of the money, U.S. taxpayer money, and turn it over to the lab in Wuhan, China. So who is this guy, and what is his role in all of this? Joining us on our Newsmaker Line to talk about it is Arthur Bloom with the American Conservative. Arthur, how are you, and welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, glad to be here.
0: Arthur, who exactly is Peter Daszak? And what is his role in all of this?
1: So he's the president of the EcoHealth Alliance, which is a, uh, it, it, as you said, it's an NGO that works on uh, on basically uh, gain-of-function research. That's some of the stuff that they were doing uh, at the Wuhan lab. It's, uh, as you said also, it, it's U.S. government-funded. He's the head of this NGO. What's so extraordinary about this, though? You know, there is an entire galaxy of NGOs like this. What's mm-hmm. extraordinary about this and his role in the story is the way he, uh, you know, controlled the narrative about COVID from the very beginning uh, from organizing a letter in the Lancet saying to dismiss the lab leak theory as misinformation. Uh, he was interviewed by a number of outlets saying uh, it was wrong for Trump to cut funding to that lab. Uh, and then more recently, he was added to the World Health Organization's commission. So this is a guy that has a pretty clear conflict of interest in, in all of this. As as I said in my article in the New York Post, it's a little bit like asking, uh, you know, the the head of the, the Chernobyl nuclear plant, uh, you know, where the clouds come from. And they tell you, oh, it's the microwaves. It, it's, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy or, you know, asking, uh, you know, who asking an Exxon CEO who's responsible for the oil spill, right? This is a guy that has a very deep conflict of interest, and yet through this whole thing he's been deeply involved in sort of manipulating the message about it.
0: What is his relationship with one Dr. Anthony Fauci?
1: Well, so it's not totally clear. As uh, um, a former New York Times or Chief Science Correspondent, Nicholas Wade, wrote, um, so uh, to, to back up a little bit, Obama himself actually banned this kind of gain of function research it's highly polarizing because it's dangerous uh, basically, what you 're talking about is you're uh, you're creating viruses so that uh, you can be mm-hmm, prepared if mm-hmm. new ones emerge mm-hmm. and so uh, did, uh Obama banned it, but that was a ban that was full of holes in order to circumvent the ban it had to be they had to get an exemption and so in order to approve that exemption it had to basically come from one of two people and one of them was anthony fauci so that's data point number one data point number two are a couple of these emails between fauci and and Dajak, uh during the pandemic as it was happening and, and Dajak thanks fauci for tamping down on the lab leak theory so and i think there are also a couple of pictures of them together mm-hmm. that are floating around so the uh the substance of the relationship isn't entirely clear, though it, though there are reasons to think it's close. Let me ask you
0: you write about the fact that you feel the media itself was duped by Doshak. How were they duped?
1: well uh, i uh, duped is a funny word I, I think uh, that uh, I, I think they that kind of lets them off a the hook, the hook a little bit <laughs> maybe <laughs> they, they, they really should know better. Uh, you know, as I said, you know, it, it'd be hard to imagine, you know, the Deepwater Horizon spill, them bringing on the, uh, the BP, uh, CEO and the BP, BP CEO says, Oh no, this is, this isn't our fault. <laughs> uh, you know, this, this is, uh, I don't know, it's the seals or it's the whales or, or something like that. Um, you know, you, it, it's fine to talk to him. We certainly do want to hear from the BP CEO after the Deepwater Horizon spill. But, you know, you, you can't take his claims at face value. And, and I think that's really the problem. And, and so I, I think the way that the media covered some of this stuff. So, uh, what happened was in, in April of, or May of 2020, uh, Trump cut funding to that lab. He mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. grant, grant was canceled. And so, uh, you can go and look this up, the 60 minutes headline. They, uh, I think it was Scott Pelly that goes and interviews Dajak and, and, uh, and Dajak says that you're, you're making it harder to find a cure to COVID. And, uh, you know, in in some sort of abstract sense, that's sort of true, right? This gain-of-function research is incredibly risky, but it it also can, you know, yield results. But I think any fair-minded person at that point would say this is just just too risky and you've got to shut it down. What the headline in NPR and 60 Minutes, they all said was, you know, Trump is uh, canceling research into covid cures and really the reality (laughs) is is a lot more complicated than that
0: wow wow so did dashak basically try and cover up that the the virus may have come out of that lab may have been leaked out of that lab to protect himself to uh protect the fact that money from u.s taxpayers was going to that lab what exactly was he trying to do arthur
1: well, you know, you, we could argue till the cows come home about who exactly he was trying to protect, be it himself, be it the public health community. I, I mean, in some of these letters, uh, he's he's promoted on Twitter a couple of letters, one about uh, the Chinese researchers there, you know, they're the best in their field and you're hurting their reputations and this kind of thing. So, you know, it, it, it could be the case that he's just this public-spirited guy that, that tamped down on this criticism because he, you know, despite the the, the risks and what apparently happened here, he just thinks the scientific community is so important it can't be exposed to this kind of criticism, uh, you know. Or it could be worse than that. Or, or he could be somehow, you know, very corrupt. And uh, what's what's happened in the last couple of days is that there was a second commission, one that's uh, I, I think likely to yield somewhat better results than the World Health Organization one. This is the one uh, that was put in place by the Lancet, and and he is now no longer on that commission. It's not clear whether he was fired or uh, or whether he recused himself. He should have. Recused himself from the World Health mm-hmm, One mm-hmm. The World Health Organization one as well. Um, so you know w- whether it's corruption or whether this is just sort of the naivete of experts, or you know how, it, it's sort of like uh, uh, no, uh, what's the word? You know, you're not allowed to insult a nobleman, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a sort of a threat to their reputation and. Uh, so, so it, it's not totally clear what it seems like to me, though. I mean, I, I do think Dashak is very important. He's certainly one of the big villains of the story, but he's not the, uh, the only one by, by any means. Yeah. And I, I think it would be a shame if he were to sort of become the only fall guy of this. It's obviously bigger than
0: that. All right. Arthur, fascinating information. Thank you for sharing it with us tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. Bye. On our Newsmaker line, that's Arthur Bloom. He's with the American Conservative talking about people.
9: Logan and North Ogden. This sale ends Saturday. Bullbrook Spas. Peaceful body, peaceful mind, peaceful home. Well, give me back
7: my Give
4: Rod Arquette show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS.
0: All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette show on this uh, Thursday afternoon. A little bit of moisture out there, very, very nice. We've got some major highway problems as well right now. If you're trying to get home tonight, we'll keep you up to date on that. Matt will be along here in about about ten minutes, maybe no, only about five minutes from now to uh, give you an update as to uh, what's going on. Uh, I cannot recall off the top of my head the last time I had any type of interaction with a police officer. I really can't. I mean, occasionally I'll see him at events or something. I always walk up to him and tell him thank you. Uh, But it's been a long, long time. But I think the idea that, unfortunately, I think we're getting away from in some regards is community policing. Seeing police out and about in your community and being able to interact with them because you want that interaction to be as positive as it possibly can. But they aren't always that way. And it could be be, uh, various situations. And there's all kinds of training that police uh, undergo here in this state to help them deal with situations. And one is de-escalation training. Joining me on our newsmaker line right now to talk about that is State Representative Kara Berklin. She is a Republican out of the Morgan area. And she always has the way police interact uh, on her mind, and she's on our NewsMaker line right now. Why is that, Kara? Why are you always thinking about police interactions and how they go?
3: Um, well, for me, it's, it's kind of a, a personal reason. We, my husband and I, adopted a young child about a decade ago with fetal alcohol syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and right after we adopted him, the doctor said to us, "You know, it's not going to be a matter of if he goes to jail; it'll be when he goes to jail." And mm. and while we we've worked hard to make sure that. You know he has every possibility ahead of him to be as successful as possible. It's always in the back of our minds that you know he he does struggle um, with understanding consequences.
0: And when you when the doctor told you that, what, what was your reaction to that, Kira?
3: Just honestly, shock. Um, I didn't know anything about fetal alcohol syndrome at the time. Um, a little bit of you know, yeah, go ahead and I'll prove you wrong, of course. Um, but just really, just shock of you know, how is, this, how is this going to affect his life? How can we make him the most successful? Which, which you know, kind of leads to why it's important to me that we give our law enforcement the best tools to also be successful. So when they meet kids like my son, um, there's a good foundation already been built there for both.
0: Karen, now I understand, I, I believe this is true, you yourself have undergone some de-escalation training along with law enforcement. Is that true? And if so, what was that like?
3: Yes, yeah, so I've, I've done a few different um, trainings over the last year uh, with different groups, some different things. My my absolute favorite was the CP-21 Why'd You Stop Me organization came and did a training. And it was phenomenal. You know, you talked a lot there in the beginning about the relationship uh, the law enforcement has with the community. And this program is designed to improve that from the very foundation of how officers present themselves, not as I'm um, Officer Jones, but just I'm you know, Jack
7: mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. using
3: their names and humanizing themselves and humanizing the people that they're interacting with. It goes into the schools, it goes into the jails and the prisons, and it really is community policing. Uh, it, it's an impressive program that I think is long overdue in our state, especially considering we, we claim that we want, our, our, as a legislature, we claim that we want our law enforcement to have all this training, and yet we've yet to fund them adequately to have this training.
0: In going through that training, Kira, uh, was there anything that really surprised you? Kind of like one of those aha moments? I didn't know that that uh, uh, this was involved in that.
3: Well, you know, they really did a good job of breaking down why, as officers, and this is something that they teach in the jails and the schools, why they do certain things that they do, part of their protocols, Things that I didn't realize was just protocol and for their safety and your safety. Um, another thing that they, I was really impressed with, they talk a lot about professionalism. Like, you know, when Burger King is being more professional than we as humans, <laughs> we've got a problem both as as, as part, members of our communities, but also as law enforcement. You know, we should always act with more professionalism than we're seeing displayed these days.
0: Is this de-escalation training, is it already underway in the state? Do we need to expand it? What is the current status of it?
3: Yes, well, our, our law enforcement has to go through so many hours of de-escalation training every year. This is a more uh, robust training mm-hmm. in, in talking with law enforcement groups. This is definitely much more robust. It, it provides not just the idea of how, what you should do, but the why, the methods, and, and the tools to be successful at it.
0: All right, you're going to have to have some money coming from the uh, state to be able to, affund, to uh, fund this expansion, Kara. Do you think you can get it?
3: You know, I sure hope so. I think as a fiscal conservative, I still, I support spending the money on the thing because I truly believe that it, it's implemented. And if it goes into every agency and, it, and kids are starting to interact with police in a in a more respectful way and, and the, those in jail start interacting with police outside of when they get pulled over or stopped, right, then we're going to see a lot less confrontation, a lot less of the use of force, excessive use of force. And, frankly, our cost in settlement as a state for use of force, illegal use of force, will go down. And I truly believe after going through this training and running some numbers with some law enforcement groups, I believe this will actually save the state of Utah some money in the long run.
0: All right. Well, Kira, good luck with this. I think it's a great idea. Thank you very much for a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Enjoy the rest of the day.
3: Thank you. You too.
0: All right. On our newsmaker line, that is state representative Kira Birkeland. Uh, talking about uh, funding statewide de-escalation from training for law enforcement. I'm not sure what the price tag will be, but the more training we can give our police officers, who I think do a fantastic job already. But if there are things that will help in improving the relationship between a police officer and people they interact with, I am all for it. They They have a tough, tough job. How they put up with all the crap that they have to put up with out there, I'll never, never understand. But if there are tools that we can give them, to de-escalate situations and to allow things to proceed peacefully, I tell you what, I am all for it. All right, more coming up right here on the Radar Catch We're on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS and iHeart Radio Station. Thrive Appliance is taking center stage today on the Radar Catch Show. And Scott Dias is joining me to tell us all about Thrive Appliance. First of all, before we get into many of the features that you have, tell people again what Thrive Appliance is and
5: what your approach is when it comes to people who need appliances. Uh, At Thrive Appliance, what we do is we offer factory-new, scratch-and-dent appliances that are available to be picked up when you need them.
0: Okay, so they're right there.
5: Right there in our showrooms.
0: All right. Now, a lot of people ordering new appliances are having to wait because of the pandemic and everything else anywhere from three to six months. Is that the case with Thrive Appliance?
5: No, that's the beauty of it. You know, we have two locations to serve you, Salt Lake City and Pleasant Grove, consisting of over 22,000 square feet of retail space. So when it comes to appliances of all levels, from high-end studio-grade appliances down to the rental apartment appliance that people might be looking for, to the garage refrigerator that you may need, Mm -hmm. we can cover all aspects of the appliance need. And the beauty of it is right now, as you said, with the climate being the way it is, not being able to get those new appliances, you can pick them up today right when you need them.
0: You say scratch and dent. How thoroughly do you test the appliances to make sure they function properly before somebody buys one?
5: Yeah, every appliance is obviously in both showrooms. We have full testing facilities. So on washers and dryers we are putting the hoses to them. We are filling them the capacity with clothes to making sure that drums spin properly. There's nothing out of balance. There's no leakage, water fill, and spin is all working. Dryers then get the full cycle as well to make sure they completely dry all the clothes as well as all the appliances.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned you have two locations, one in Pleasant Grove and Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. What will people see when they go into your your, uh,
5: your locations? Uh, people, and if you go into our Salt Lake City, you're going to see 15,000 square feet. We're talking probably 150 on-display appliances at least. Some new overstock, completely in the box, brand-new appliances, Others with what I like to say, instead of scratch and dent, a little bit of love on them.
0: <laughs> all right. But F- full
5: functionality <laughs> is what we always sell.
0: All right. Now, let me ask you this again. You have an offer right now. What, 40 to 60% off? What's uh, that?
5: Our average running price right now is 40 to 60% off of retail on all units. All right. If you want to find out more and check it out today, just go online to
0: thriveappliance.com. That's T H H O
9: G and North Ogden. This sale and Saturday, Bullfrog Spas. Peaceful body, peaceful mind, peaceful home.
0: Rod Arquencho here on Utah's Talk Radio, 1059, KNRS. Listen and you'll know. I think many of you out there would agree with me at this point. While I still have faith in the American people, not so much in the American government, but in the wonderful people that make up this great country of ours, you know, I think there are some real challenges facing us right now, all kinds of challenges. Uh, and uh, we even had Joe Biden. I think I'm going to start calling him Joe O. Biden because I think he's simply an extension of the eight years of, of Barack Obama. But he even said today the country is more divided than at any time since the Civil War. And Okay, I, I, maybe I'll take that, even though I think there have been other periods here where we've been divided as well. Well, if we're so divided and America, you know, we look at America and it's said that's not the country that we grew up in. It's not the country that, you know, we had maybe just a couple of years ago. What do we do to get it back? I want you to think about that, because we'll talk to you about that coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour right here on the Radar Catch A couple of notes I want to pass along to you. For the second time in that state's history, California has triggered a recall election with Governor Gavin Newsom's figurative head on the chopping block right now. Um, Newsom finds himself, after his dismal handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, brought more pain and suffering to the people of California than was absolutely necessary, all while he seemed to be wholly unconcerned with obeying his own lockdown orders. So the uh, Secretary of State there in uh, California uh, announced yesterday that uh, the recall election, those who are trying to recall Gavin Newsom, they have the necessary 1.7 million verified signatures to trigger a recall that most likely will take place Sometime this fall, the second time, remember how Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor. They recalled Gray Davis many years ago in California. Now, this is not going to help Gavin Newsom at all. Um, Apparently, there is a story out, and uh, of all places, National Public Radio is finding this, uh, but apparently, Newsom misled, here we go again, misled the public on the state's wildfire prevention efforts ahead of what is shaping up to be one of the worst fire seasons in that state's history. Despite the governor pledging to reform California's approach to wildfire prevention in 2019, the investigation concluded that there was little evidence the governor actually put those plans in motion and that he severely overstated the work that was being done on 35 projects. This is a man who's facing recall. He claimed the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection accomplished work on 90,000 acres throughout hundreds of vulnerable communities, right? It found only 13%, 13% of his 90,000 acres had actually been accomplished. So he didn't handle COVID. And if we have wildfires in California again this year, I know there's some burning already. Here you have a governor who basically misled and overstated the efforts being made in California to deal with wildfires. Just another thing that his opponents certainly are going to bring up. And how many of you have heard this crazy story coming out of South Africa? The the South African woman who claimed to have given birth to a record 10 babies. Well, a local government investigation found she wasn't even pregnant. So how was she able to do that? The provincial government there in South Africa uh, has conducted a thorough check with all hospitals in the area to establish the veracity of her story, and it, it had found that she has not given birth to any children whatsoever, even though she claimed to have a record 10 babies. Another big lie. When that story came up, I thought, well, hey, hey, something's wrong here. And here we go again proven right. I know many of you were skeptical about that as well.
10: All right. Showings, negotiations, paperwork, and closing. See all their Google five-star reviews at flatratehomes.com.
0: We're live, we're local, and we're everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. Second hour of the Radar Show, Here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. More and more Americans are coming home from Afghanistan. And there's a debate among many people if, in fact, we should be doing that. Well, we learned, what, in the last 24 hours that uh, Joe Biden finally did something smart uh, by announcing that, Afghan, uh, you know, people in Afghanistan, Afghans, who worked with the U.S. military during their time in Afghanistan, will be allowed to come to the United States and be protected. There was a real concern that if they were allowed to stay, people would find out that they had cooperated. The Taliban would have found out that they had cooperated with American troops there and would have killed them. So that's one good thing Joe Biden has done. But more and more people are now coming home from Afghanistan, including many here in Utah. And I bring that up because... um, A good friend of mine, who I, uh, by the way, I haven't seen him for a long, long time, but we worked together for many, many years, primarily when I was working on the television side of things. Uh, And he became a good friend, one of the most creative, caring people that I've known in a long time. And he has his own personal battle that he's waging right now. But he sent me, and I think he posted this, he, he wrote this, I'm not sure if he posted it somewhere, it may have been online. And I'm not going to give you his name.
3: No purchase necessary, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions
10: apply. See website for details.:
0: uh, His son had been in Afghanistan, according to this article that he wrote for about a year, more than a year he was one he was among the last Utah National Guardsmen to lift a foot off Afghanistan soil and leave behind America's long war. and he says for his family, it was a day to celebrate. now his his son uh, is next Marine flies attack helicopters for the National Guard. His battalion, he writes, provided support for combat forces and other special operations. He and his units served with distinction. He flew scores of missions, some relatively unremarkable, others more consequential, as he writes. And he points out that him and his wife prayed for their son each and every night, hoping that he would come home safe and sound. And he points out, unfortunately, there are some parents who never saw their son or daughter come home from Afghanistan. Uh, and that's very sad. But he writes this. He he wanted to share, you know, um, with in this posting, in his thoughts about what his son is coming home to now. And this is what he writes. I'm going to read this verbatim because, you know, I just want to, because I think it is so well written, and I, and hopefully it'll make you think about where the country stands right now and what we're going to do about it. But here's what he writes. He says, most prominently, my son returns to a country deeply divided and headed toward a soft tribalism whose ultimate extension is mirrored in the Afghanistan he left behind. It is a country where Americans on various sides of the political spectrum can't and won't speak to each other, in many cases crushing families, friendships, and casual associations. Much of the divide, he writes, revolves around an obsession with race. It's an obsession not in celebration of Dr. King's dream of preeminence, a preeminence of character over skin color, but it is a fascist movement to redefine America as a racist evil in the world. He then goes on to say this. He returns to a, uh, uh, he, he returns to a world that has turned over the microphone to radicals, self-righteous activists, celebrities, and young tech moguls who shout down and cancel others with whom they disagree. They do this in large part because they lack real-life experience and haven't consistently done hard things, including defending their beliefs when challenged. He returns to a country in which many of its cities were overrun by lawless rioting, looting, and burning, where crime now runs rampant, and wherein, dripping irony, the leaders of these cities call and act to defund and undercut their own law enforcement agencies as they seek to... Reimagine policing. Who would have guessed demonizing your police force and running criminals through a revolving door would create a spike in crime. He goes on to write about his son and what he may encounter. He says, my son will encounter individuals alone on an obscure jogging path wearing face mask while others move freely about a crowded room without mask. It symbolizes as much as anything the politicization of science which includes the recent discovery that biological men can become women and biological women can become men. He will find help-wanted signs in virtually every retail establishment in his community. As someone who has found satisfaction in hard work and a job well done, he will bristle at the fact that our own government has de-incentivized work by printing money it doesn't have and dishing it out to people who would rather check out and collect unemployment benefits. Finally, he says, in the face of all of this is threatening the world, he may find it perplexing that our government tells us that the two most important national security concerns are global warming and white supremacy. I've got to believe that somewhere on the other side of Earth, Chairman G and Vladimir Putin are laughing their butts off unless they are too perplexed to make sense of us as well. I read that and got thinking about this. This is the world... In which we live in now, and here you have a father writing about his son coming home from Afghanistan, serving in Afghanistan for a year, maybe more than a year, and how the world has changed and the state we're in today. Joe Biden said today that we are as divided now as we were during the Civil War. I'm not sure if I totally agree with that, but he does recognize that we are divided, and I've said this many, many times that I still have a strong belief in this country and a strong belief in the people that make up this country, even though I disagree with them. I think there are some people out there who I disagree with who look at the radical progressive agenda and who will say to themselves, this is not what America is all about. And they will not go along with those progressive attitudes. And there are good people on the other side of the aisle. I just wish they'd speak out more. So I thought, okay... This was a wonderful letter. I didn't read the whole thing. It was very, very telling, almost brings a tear to your eye when you read about a father's love for a son and his concerns about the world that his son is facing. But I bring that up because I say okay let you know let's go back and look at everything he talked about racism in this country and the division that is taking place. The debate over covid nineteen the debate over you know what is the biggest threat to the United States. the debate over Our economy and the fact that we're paying people not to work anymore and giving them enough money that they can make a fairly decent living out of it. As a matter of fact, there was a study put out by Steve Moore, who we have on the show regularly, and others, who say in some cases a family could make well into six figures by not working at all and taking advantage of all the government programs that are out there. There's a problem with that. We all know that. Now, the question I have for you tonight, think about all of that, is okay, is there, what is the blueprint for us to take the country back? I mean, what is to be done? If we want to bring America back and really make America, as Donald Trump said, what, four or five years ago now, make America great again, what is our blueprint? What do we have to do, in your opinion? Because the world what, in the last uh, year and a half now, I would say, is really different. This country is different than it was a year and a half ago. So how, how do we get it back? What do we do? What is our blueprint? What is it going to take? I want to get your thoughts on that. 888 570 888 On your cell phone, dial pound 215 and say, Hey, Rod, we'll get to your calls. We'll get to your comments coming up. Right here on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's talk radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Taking center stage today on the Rod Arquette Show is Thrive Appliance, and Scott Dias is with us again. All right, Scott, I'm in an emergency situation. My washer just went out. I hear all the stories about having to wait three to six months before I can get a brand new one, but I need one today. How does Thrive Appliance help me out?
5: Well, that's the beauty of it, too, and it's a story that we hear daily in our stores. Um, Between our two locations... If one of your appliances goes the night before, we can pretty well guarantee that we're going to have one in your house the next day. Okay. They are all available and ready for pickup immediately. Now,
0: the Thrive Appliance, you sell nothing but scratch and dent products,
5: right? Well, all of our, all, every machine we sell is scratch and dent factory new, though. So none of our machines are used. They are all new. They've never been out there being used and then come to us. Nothing's refurbished, factory new, scratch and dent. Appliance. Where do you get them from? Uh, multiple locations straight from manufacturers, things that are damaged at the manufacturing plant, as well as big box retailers, and we get those through third-party liquidators.
0: And let's talk about the appliances that you
5: have. Everything? Everything. If, you're, if, it's, a, if it's a Frigidaire refrigerator you're looking to replace, we have it. If it's a GE washer we're looking to replace, we have it. Right down to the pedestal washers that go on the front-load front load washers and dryers machines. We accommodate all all appliances up to range hoods included. You mentioned scratch and
0: dents. How do people know if they come to Thrive Appliance to get, let's say, a new washer and dryer that they actually work? Be a, you know, they, they may have a few scratches and dents on them, but they also work. What do you do when it comes to testing?
5: Another thing that we like to think keeps us unique in the market that we're in is we pre-test every machine that comes through our back door prior to going to our sales floor. We have a multiple-point inspection and fully run and operate every machine prior to putting it on the sales floor for sale. All right. Do you have showrooms? And if so, where are they? Yes, we have two showrooms in Salt Lake City, uh, 2191 South, 300 West, and in Pleasant Grove at 844 South, 800
0: West. And if people want to see your product, have you got a website they can go to?
5: We do. ThriveAppliance.com. And you can see all our current, currently listed appliances. Oh,
9: on your side. Use code KNRS for 10% off for limited time only.
0: All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette on this uh, Thursday. Don't forget, thank Rod. It's Friday tomorrow And boy, do we ever have a delicious show for you coming up tomorrow. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking literally a delicious show coming up tomorrow. And we'll explain where we're we're out on the road tomorrow and it's going to be a lot of fun. Rumor has it there is a certain individual that you hear every morning on this radio station who may, in fact, show up tomorrow. We'll let you know on that as well. All right. Um. If you're just joining us, just maybe getting in the car on your way home tonight. Uh, Before the break, I shared with you some thoughts from a man I've known for a long, long time, someone I really respect and is one of the most creative guys I've known in my lifetime. And his son, one of his sons, has been serving in Afghanistan, and he's now home. He flies helicopters, and uh, he's home. And he shared with me either a letter or just a writing that he did the other day, talking about the different world that his son faces now, coming home, and how much the world and really this country has changed in about a year since his son's been in Afghanistan. He's one of a member of the National Guard, one of the National Guardsmen who came home after serving for a period of time in Afghanistan. And he talked about the many challenges that he faced. I mean, if you just look at this, I mean, let's just take the last six months of the Biden administration. Um, It is becoming evident to even the most politically disinterested in America that we've got some problems with Joe Biden. I mean, the quality of life in big cities, blue cities, has deteriorated markedly. The cost of gasoline seems like it doubles overnight. The petty restrictions imposed unconstitutionally, on the electric are still insist upon in many places, meaning you have to wear a mask, stupid, but insisting that they conform to the most picayune and counterfactual things that we have to deal with. The very fact that we still have to wear what someone called, I love this one, a slave muzzle to enter a federal building is a visible sign of your continuing humiliation and subjectation. I mean, it's pretty amazing out there. As to what's taking place. Now, the question is, of course, now, what do we do about it? You know, what is the blueprint of getting our country back? 888. I don't have the answer. I'm just throwing it out. I like get your opinion. Well, I got one answer. 888 570 888 570 Or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, to the phones we go. Let's begin in Centerville tonight with Andy. Andy, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show.
10: Thank you very much. Hey, my feeling is that we need to drop the left politically and the right politically, reconcile with our families and our friends right now until we get back on track. We have what you call marriage counselors and family counselors and even substance abuse counselors. We should probably get some political counsel, because sometimes we're so deep in this we need counsel people who are really smart and then when we're kind of stable when we're kind of together and we maybe go fishing then after that we can get back politically how do you like that idea well i
0: yeah, i kind of like that idea andy but let me ask you this andy do you think you know i think you're talking about the the middle part of this country not the extremes on the right or the left but bringing moderate americans together to try and solve this is that what you're talking about andy
10: well, I am, and I think, like any extreme, good counselship, good people with, you know, educated people can help the left and the right. All they need is to sit down and start using the intelligence of people who really know how to deal with this. You know, the left and the right can get a little extreme, and we're going to pull the country together. We need some counseling now. This has gone past. Uh, people's emotions and feelings. Of course, my feeling is that religion is the best counsel, but still, I think we can approach people in such a way that when they pull together, finally, and all that, and they might have their political views, but the extremists, the hate and all that, that you find sometimes in marriage and sometimes in family can kind of be removed by knowledge.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, uh, thank you, Andy, for your phone call. I want to comment on what Andy said about faith, uh, because I think faith can people to, it can bring people together. My concern is in this country that the number of Americans who don't believe in any type of religion or their own religion, you know, and some who don't believe in God or God defined in their own sense, you know, that lack of organized religion or faith in this country nowadays, how do we bring people together? Maybe using faith, maybe. I'm just throwing that out there. If they don't believe or they don't have any faith themselves. All right, let's back to the phones. Let's go to Montpelier, Idaho, and talk with uh, Ron on this tonight. Ron, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show.
8: Thank you, Rod. I was thinking a lot about what you're saying and what can we do. We need, to, we need to get our youth back. We need to be able to show them this country is not... Evil, in fact, we do a lot of good mm-hmm. and in order to do that, I think it should be that they should be given incentives to spend at least one year in service outside the country, whether it be peace corps or' not done not a big fan of the peace corps, serving a mission, something um doctor nurse services. Medical service is something where they're serving and they learn the importance of service and how much America does serve.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, that was a, uh, there was an article several weeks ago. I almost talked about this on the air, Ron, and it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, should we require young Americans to take a year out of their lives and do nothing but service to this country? Maybe not outside the country, but service to this country. And I'm not, you know, maybe maybe working in the inner cities with schools. Maybe, uh, you know, there are all kinds of things they could do. But is that something that we should think about and maybe require? Now, from what I understand, there are many countries around the world who do this now. So would that bring the younger population that Ron just brought up closer together to understand that people, for the most part, I think are good, that we do not hate each other. And if you serve people, it does bring you joy. And when I do that, I love it. My my wife, is she she's an angel. She loves to help people out. And why does she do it? Because it brings her joy. Let's go back to the phones. Let's talk with uh, Jesse in Fairview tonight. Jesse, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show.
8: I'm good. How are you doing, Rod?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you, Jesse. What are your thoughts on this?
8: Well, that last caller, the last caller I heard, I was talking about, you know, educated people. Well, we have, quote-unquote, educated people teaching in higher education
4: right now, but they can't teach the truth.
0: How would you fix that, so though? I mean, we, yeah, what do you need to do, then, if that's the case, Jesse? What do you need to do?
4: Well, I liked his idea about the left and the right coming back to something, but we already have that something, and it's the Constitution. Uh
0: Good point. Very good point. Everything,
2: very, everything needs to revert back to Constitution.
0: Very good point. Thank you for bringing that up, Jesse. And that's why organizations like the Sutherland Institute here in the state of Utah and other organizations are out there preaching civics education and American history. And it is vital that people understand what the Declaration of Independence and, more importantly, what the Constitution says. We, in my opinion, and I I think this is the way to describe this country, are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. We vote for representatives who represent us, and they look through everything based on what the Constitution has to say. But how can you do that when people can't even name the three branches of government? All right, more of your calls and comments coming up on this. The Rod Arquette Show, 888-570. Termination
2: fee applies. Equipment, installation, taxes, and fees extra and subject to change. Actual speeds vary. Call for details.
7: One man,
10: one goal.
4: Yeah, one vision. The Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS.
0: All right, if you're just joining us right now, we're talking about um, the divide within the country. Joe Biden even mentioned it today. He said, you know, the country is more divided now since the Civil War. Uh, Not sure if that's right, but there are a lot of issues out there that concern many Americans. And the fact that they're out there, um, but is there a blueprint to get the country back where many of us would feel more comfortable with right now? I mean, is there a blueprint to try and make Pardon the the well, pardon the expression, but what Donald Trump and making America great again? Because I think we're we're looking inwardly and we go, what is going on here? You know, I, you know, I've heard people say before, I don't recognize my own country anymore. So if that is the case, what is the solution? What is to be done? What is the blueprint to bring us back together? on your cell phone, dial pound 215, say, hey, Rod, let's go to Orem and hear what Stephen has to say tonight here on the Rod Arquette Show. Hi, Stephen.
2: Hey, Rod, thanks so much for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, I think that one of the major problems that we face as a society right now and a culture uh, in America is that we're constantly pointing the finger at somebody else or something else as, as the problem. And this happens on both sides consistently. Uh, whether you're hard right, hard left, or moderate, you're always pointing the finger at somebody else. And I, I've, I've experienced that myself. <laughs> you know, I've done the same thing where I've pointed the finger at somebody else and said, well, there's the problem. And I think in order to really heal as um, as Americans, we need to start thinking about personal accountability. What, what am I doing to solve the issues and, and stop talking so much about the issues themselves, but more really focusing on the solutions and I think if we can do that and if if you know if we had the majority of America focusing on real solutions and and kind of getting away from the pointing of the fingers, I think we 'd start getting places I think we you know we're a people with that, that are you know, we have ingenuity and inspiration, and those things can be used if we 'll get back to those core values mm-hmm. and I think that that personal accountability is key.
0: Can you give me an example of what uh, I? I understand what you're talking about, but an example that would illustrate it even more, Stephen. Can you think of one?
2: Well, you know, it's. I think it goes back to. Um, well, let me just try to get a specific example. So, for example, uh, the vaccine
7: uh-huh. conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, uh, everyone is pointing the finger. Uh, everyone is telling you know you that you have to, or you that you shouldn't, or or whatever. And instead. If, if we would just kind of look inside and say, "Look, we all have our our own choices. Let's let's stick there for a second. Right? My choices should never necessarily affect yours in terms of that. Let, let me let me try to." necessary group void. We're prohibited by law See terms and conditions 18 plus I, I think if you want to get the vaccine great yep. get it yep. if you yep. believe in the vaccine yep. and yep. that's your that's your jam get it and you're protected you know if you if you think that it's good then you think that you you know that it will protect you for those people that don't believe in the vaccine and don't think it'll protect them or harm them or whatever then they don't have to get it and either way each person is making their own personal choice they're accountable for those choices, and let's just let it be. Let's yeah. let it ride. Yeah. You know, if, if I don't get the vaccine and I die, that's on me. Yeah. If I do get the vaccine and I live, that's on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and my choice isn't really going to affect anybody else because they have the choice to do the same. And So anyway, I think it's that's just to it back to personal accountability. Yeah. yeah,
0: That's a really good example, Stephen. Thank you. And it does come to personal responsibility, personal accountability. You know, all these people will say, well, they blame it. We do tend to blame things on other people, don't we? And uh, if you've ever looked inwardly and you say to yourself, okay, what would I have done differently in this situation? I mean, if you've ever tried do that sometime, whenever you get into a situation um, that, you know, then step back a little bit later on and say, how would I have handled this differently? And you may come up with an answer. It may help us. Uh, let's go to Dan here in Salt Lake City and see what Dan has to say. Dan, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show.
4: Great, Rod. Thanks. Hey, uh, one of the premises uh, or a premise that uh, somebody brought up a little while ago was, that, you know, they were saying the right and the left, and he and, and brought some good points up. But there's one thing that I'm going to have to dis- disagree with, and that is this. The right and the left are not equal equivalents. I don't see a right wing BLM. I don't see a right wing Antifa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now there are clearly some people out on the right somewhere that are far—you know—who knows where they are—and and nobody could deny that. But that is not an overwhelming conversation that can anybody can really point to. I mean, where can you point to a right wing Antifa? You can't. I don't. You know, I, I, they yeah. say, oh, "Well, they're." they're yeah, the proud you know, the, the, Where are they? Yeah, the proud boys uh, you know, or I, the oath
0: keepers, they could argue well. That's just like Antifa. No, it's not. They are different and they're very very not small. Even close. Yeah, not even close.
4: You're right. And they're small and if they really wanted to make noise, I mean, look. <laughs> if the right wing really really wanted to make noise, they would be very well aware of it. Second of all, I think the honest you know realistically there are some people and i get the argument because it took me a long time to get my head around this and that is there's some people that hate this country yeah. you can't negotiate with them you can't reason with them you can't bring them to the table they hate this country and you know unfortunately that's reality and i wish it weren't reality but it is and so you've got to deal with that accordingly dan
0: where does and that thirdly, dan, dan where but where does that hate come from I mean, I, I agree with you. I think there are people out there who re- just hate this country.
4: But where does that hate come from? You know, I don't know, because when when Trump was in town you, you know, years ago and he was vying for the president, see, I was downtown. I thought, I want to go down there and see what's going on. And I went down there, and I was asking different people from the other side of the street. And, you know, luckily it was peaceful, and there was a few people there were screaming and yelling, but, no, you know, no big deal. I was asking people okay tell me what is fascism you know uh-huh. what is what is what is so terrible about Trump I never got a single yeah. answer yeah. not one yeah. it's because he's horrible and so the hate comes from frankly as far as I can figure out this unknown you know black hole that people can't really define in a lot of cases so I don't know yeah. but anyway my main point at the end of the day Education by far and away is is the blueprint because you know look at Utah, we've got a, we've got uh, the UEA that is by far and away a liberal organization. How does that happen in this in this state? Yeah. And it's even worse in a lot of other states. And the things that you're, you know our children are taught are shocking. That needs yeah. to be fixed. The education and what DeSantis is doing right now. I love that. Yeah, He's yeah. going to teach things that are actual real and what's really going on. And as long as we can start thinking that there are some people that aren't going to agree with us, no matter what, we've got to still press on and teach people what's right instead of this, okay, it's okay for you to be a transgender <laughs> versus yeah, reading, yeah. writing, and arithmetic, you yeah, know?
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that, Dan. Really good comments, Dan. I really appreciate that because it does does make you think a lot, and that's what we need to do in this country. I I agree with Dan on a couple of things. Well, um, uh, almost everything you said, Dan. The one thing that still goes back, and mom and dad, it is upon you, and that's education. Find out what your children are being taught in school. Make sure you understand it. And make sure that that school and that teacher, either you support them or you don't, but they need to know that. And stay on top of it with your kids, because I agree with Dan. I mean, it's pretty amazing to me that we do have the UEA, and it is a liberal organization in this state. And they scare the daylights out of some people, particularly some elected officials that we have in this state. And it shouldn't be like that. You, You know, teachers, we love them. My son's a teacher. He was a teacher. And he worked his tail off for very little amount of money. And there are some great teachers out there. But don't be afraid to say, wait a minute, I don't necessarily agree with that. And explain why. You have to educate yourself on that as well. All right, more of your calls coming up. 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. It's been great. Having Thrive Appliance on center stage today, talking about Thrive Appliance, and Scott Dias is back with us. Scott, for people who may ju- just be tuning in and have never heard of Thrive Appliance, explain what the company does.
5: Uh, well, at Thrive Appliance, we sell factory-new scratch-and-dent appliances. So all appliances are new, not used or refurbished, new from a factory, but have received some sort of scratch-and-dent, a little bit of love along the way.
0: And where, what kind of appliances do you have, and where do you get them from?
5: We have every major brand of appliance that you can think of and every appliance to fill a complete house from laundry to kitchen and dishwashing.
0: And testing, what do you do when it comes to testing to make sure they work?
5: All machines prior to going to the sales floor are fully tested. We have a full testing facility to test all washers, dryers, dishwashers, refrigerators completely for functionality.
0: All right. Now, when it comes to new appliances, most come with a warranty. Scratch and dents. Do you have a warranty system as well, Scott?
5: And that is nice. They don't come with the manufacturer warranty, but what we've done at Thrive is we offer a 30-day repair, replace, or refund warranty. So you are fully covered with our in-house service. We are contracted with nationally known Mr. Appliance, who handles all of our service calls and technician calls. And it doesn't matter where you live, we have technicians anywhere that you may need.
0: one. All right. Now, People right now are looking for appliances, and they're told, "Hey, you're you're three to six months out before we can get your appliances." How about with Thrive?
5: Um, that is really, really special. We have truckloads arriving weekly in our location, so our inventory turns quickly, but it's always available. So when you have that washing machine that breaks first breaks down first thing in the morning you can come to Thrive and be washing clothes again by the evening.
0: All right. Now, you mentioned locations, but you have two locations, right?
5: We do. We're in Salt Lake City at 2191 South 300 West. Mm -hmm. And we also have a location in Pleasant Grove at 844 South 800 West.
0: Now, if people want to take a look at the appliances that you have right now, do you have a website?
5: We do. Our website is thriveappliance.com. And all of our currently listed for sale machines can be found there.
0: All right. If you want to find out more, just go to the website that Scott just mentioned, thriveappliance.com. That's Thrive App- Urgent
9: care. We continue to be here for you. Visit intermountainhealthcare.org to learn how to get the care you need.
0: Well, Ka- Kamala Harris will be on, a, on the border tomorrow, and then Donald Trump will be there next week. Coming up after a news update at the top of the hour, of course, we are going to uh, go to the border. We'll find out what's going on down there. We'll talk with someone who's just 10 miles off the border right now. That's coming up. Hour number three of the Radar Ketchos. And stay with us right here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRX. Experience the power of community oncology at Utah Cancer Specialists. Find your
1: personal oncologist at utahcancer.com.
0: It is the uh, third hour of the Radar Ketchow on this Thursday. We are live, we are local, and of course we're everywhere with you on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. Busy hour coming your way. We're going to take you to the border down in Mexico. Hey, guess who's showing up down there tomorrow, as we mentioned earlier? Kamala Harris is going to show up. But you know where she's headed. We'll talk more about that. But we'll talk to somebody who is down on the border right now. And will give us his take as to what's going on. Now, you've heard about this Delta variant of the uh, COVID-19 virus well Dr. Brian Shiazawa will join us here very, very shortly. We'll get the latest on that a little bit later on. We'll talk more about our Live On campaign, a campaign that we are now working with the state of Utah and with a strong auto group about preventing suicide here in the state of Utah. We'll have more on that. And we'll talk to an organization that is really doing some good things when it comes to veterans. That's all coming up this hour here on the Rod Arquette Show. Now, as I mentioned, Kamala Harris heads to the border tomorrow. Donald Trump will be there, what, on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Joining us on our newsmaker line right now is Ira Melman. Ira is Director of Communications with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. He has been down on the border. He's in Sierra Vista, Arizona right now, which is 10 miles off the border, but he's been down there talking with ranchers, talking with Border Patrol, trying to get an assessment of what's going on. And, Ira, we appreciate you joining us right now. What have you seen down there? What are some of the impressions as you've been to the border right now, Ira?
6: What we are seeing is the deliberate Abandonment of the interests of the American people at the hands of this administration. Uh, we've talked to the people who live along the border. We spent some time, uh, with a rancher whose uh, ranch is literally right on the border. Uh, and what they're telling us is that the border patrol is being systematically removed from the border, uh, being ordered not to enforce our laws. And the result, as you might expect, is that the criminal gangs are taking over. Uh, they're moving people in in large numbers. Uh, they're moving drugs. Uh, that they've eliminated the secondary checkpoints leading away from the border uh, so that anybody who successfully eludes the border patrol and that's not very difficult to do nowadays because the border patrol uh, is very thinly spread across the border is going to get into the interior of the country and simply disappear. Uh, So, you know, the only conclusion that you can reach now is that this is not incompetence. It's just not, you know, the administration not knowing what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, And this is the policy. Chaos at the border, open borders, is the policy of this administration.
0: So is it fair to say, Ira, now, um, from what you've seen so far, that the Border Patrol almost has been told by this administration to stand down and not do anything?
6: Yeah, uh, you know the the guy whose ranch we run. There's a the border wall comes right up to his property. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he told us that uh, that they have they have barely any people along the border. uh, That they they come along and patrol. You know, maybe once every two hours, which gives the people who are trying to get into the country, it's particularly the criminal cartels. Ample opportunity to do so. Uh, one example he showed us is that right there on his property, uh, the criminal cartels had used an acetylene torch and cut through that uh, metal fence, and that's <laughs> not an easy thing to do. You have to have a lot of time and a lot of equipment to be able to do that. They had uh, the manpower and the time to do that successfully. And you know, the other thing he told us is that in order to repair that fence, the Border Patrol had to get permission. From Washington, in order to do that, that took a month and a half. Uh, so the fence was cut in several different places. Uh, it took the administration a month and a half to approve just the repairs to that fence. So that is what we're dealing with here. Uh, we're dealing with an administration that is deliberately sabotaging the security of the American people.
0: How does his rancher feel? Has his life been threatened at all, or has he had property loss at all?
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
6: Well, you know, he said there has been an uptick in the number of people coming across. He's actually used to this. You know, he Mm -hmm. said over the the past 30 years or so, uh, they have apprehended half a million people coming across his property. Uh, But those numbers dropped considerably during the Trump administration. It slowed to a trickle. Uh, The policies were working. Uh, The fact that they were talking about enforcement deterred people from coming across. The fact that they were doing actual enforcement deterred people. On January 20th, he said it started all over again. Uh, and, it, it, again, it, this is not just uh, people coming looking for jobs. These are criminal cartels that are running these operations. Uh, you know, he told us his neighbors on the other side of the fence, there are ranchers right across on uh, the other side of the border, they have it far worse they can't even stay on their ranches. The cartels have told them uh, they can come work their ranches during the day, but by nightfall, they better be gone or they're going to be dead.
0: So uh, and by, uh, by being gone at nightfall, then the cartels can get as many people across the border as they possibly can. Is that how it works?
6: That's exactly how it works. You know, they, they don't want them getting in the way. Uh, so it, it is affecting people on both sides of the border. And by the way, you know, the president of Mexico, Lopez Obrador, has spoken out about this. He has talked about the fact that uh, the Biden administration policies are making it much more difficult for him to govern his country. I and mean, we saw the Mexican elections where there were, what, 88 candidates who were killed uh, during the campaign. Uh, so I don't understand what the objective is here. Uh, but whatever the objective is, they are willing to sacrifice the interests of people on both sides of the border.
0: All right. And you say your impressions are this is an incompetence. This is part of a plan on the part of the administration. What leads you to believe that?
6: Well, they are deliberately sabotaging uh, the enforcement of our borders. They have pulled the Border Patrol away. Uh, They have told ICE not to enforce immigration laws in the interior of the country. Uh, They have to jump through all kinds of hoops, uh, which, as a result, uh, you have 6,000 ICE agents working in the United States. Uh, They actually carry out one arrest every two months now. So, you know, you've got, what, 15 million people uh, in the country illegally, thousands more entering every single day, uh, and the interior enforcement of the United States has been reduced to one arrest per agent every two months. Uh, Also, you know, pulling the Border Patrol away from the interior checkpoints, Uh, Once you get into the country, you've got to be able to get into the interior of the country. You do that through the road system. Uh, In the past, there were interior checkpoints where they were able to catch large numbers of people uh, who were being smuggled into the interior. That's gone. So there is no other logical conclusion other than the fact that this is the policy of the administration. I
0: want to get your thoughts on two other quick stories from you, Ira. First of all, we've got this story out that someone who is widely praised, the head of the U.S. Border Patrol, Rodney Scott, apparently has been giving his walking papers and told bye-bye. What's up with that?
6: Well, he actually wanted to do his job. I, I, I would have guessed that behind the scenes he was raising some kind of fuss over the fact that his agents have been ordered not to do their jobs, and he simply got in the way. So, you know, this administration wants to remove everyone uh, who wants to enforce their immigration laws. Uh, You look at who the president has appointed to head DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas, the architect of... um, Uh, the DACA policy and other open borders policies. Uh, He has appointed somebody to head the Border Patrol uh, in Washington, D.C., who is opposed to border enforcement. Uh, He is confirming someone uh, to head the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services who has uh, expressed the desire to bend every rule and every law to favor people who have no real reason or no real right to come to the United States. So th- this all fits with a pattern here uh, that what we have as an administration that is just going for broke. They're all in on getting as many people into the country as possible while they have the reins of power, and they're, just, they're
0: doing it. The media is going to make a big deal out of this tomorrow, of course. Kamala Harris expected to show up at the border finally in the El Paso area, but isn't that one of the safer areas along the border? I mean, what gives with that, Ira?
6: It, it is. It, I, I've been down to the El Paso border area. Uh, it, it is one of the most secure areas. You've got not just the river, but you've got the wall. Uh, and look, I mean, this whole thing is going to be a dog and pony show. She has been embarrassed by the fact that she hasn't been to the border. Uh, she made a fool of herself uh, in that interview with Lester Holt. Uh, so now she can say she's been to the border. Uh, I, I guarantee you she is only going to speak to carefully selected people, uh, and she's probably going to come away saying everything is just fine. We 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 just um, why, nothing to worry about here, folks. It, well, there is a lot to worry about. I can tell you, uh, if you go down to the border in Arizona and the lower Rio Grande Valley, there is plenty to worry about here.
0: On our newsmaker line, Ira Melman, he's with the Federation for American Immigration Reform, otherwise known as FAIR, giving us his assessment of what he's been seeing down on the border with Mexico. All right, when we come back, how do we stop the spread of the Delta variant when it comes to coronavirus, Dr. Brian Chiazawa will join us next right here on the Rod Arquette Show in Utah's talk radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll Taking center stage today on the Rod Arquette Show is a company. Now, I've never heard of companies like this before, but this one here in the state of Utah is absolutely amazing. It's called Thrive Appliance, and joining us to let, tell us all about it is Scott Dias. All right, Scott, what is Thrive Appliance? What a unique concept this is.
5: Um, We're pretty excited about it and have been for a while. Our Thrive Appliance, what we do is we sell factory-new scratch-and-dent appliances for the home. And that's all you do? And that is what we do, and that's what we offer.
0: Now, what kind of appliances are we talking about, Scott?
5: We have every appliance that any home could need, from dishwasher to refrigerator to microwave ranges, washers and dryers and anything else in between. How do you get the scratch and dents? Where do they come from? We got, we actually get them from multiple locations. We have some agreements directly with manufacturers where we get truckloads directly from the manufacturers, people like LG, GE, and things like that. And we also have uh, contracts with third-party liquidators out there who do the legwork with a lot of the retailers. Mm-hmm. So we get them from the Home Depots and the Lows and the RC Willies of the world, but we get them through liquidators and full truckloads.
0: Okay. Now, if I'm somebody looking for appliances right now, we're looking, I, uh, speaking from my own personal experience, you're looking brand new anywhere from three to six month delay before you actually get it. How about with Thrive Appliance? Well,
5: that has been the beauty in our little secret sauce, I would have to say, <laughs> because with Thrive Appliance, you can come in and pick it up today. All of our appliances are ready to go on the sales floor for sale, ready to, for, to go home today or to be delivered.
0: All right. right, uh, These are scratch-and-dent products, but how do you test them to make sure they function properly or into doing what they should be doing, Scott?
5: Well, in both of our locations, both Salt Lake City and Pleasant Grove, we have complete testing facilities for all of the appliances I just mentioned. For instance, all of our refrigerators prior to sale, 24 hours in our back room, plugged in, but also plugged into their water. So we're making sure they're getting cold, staying cold. Compressors are kicking on and off. Ice machines are working and distributing ice. Full functionality on all of the machines. Same thing with our washers, our dryers. run full loads, a couple of cycles, dishwashes, everything is run through prior to going to the sales floor.
0: If you want to learn more, and Scott will be with us on center stage throughout the day today, right here on the Rod Catch They have two locations to serve you in Pleasant Grove and in Salt Lake. And if you want to learn more, just go to a thriveappliance.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E.com and call 444-FAST. I'm excited about your
4: future. When will come? Plumbing troubles all gone.
0: The Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Hope you've had a uh, chance to listen to our brand-new show, Monday through Friday from 10 to 1 here on KNRS. It is the uh, Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show, taking the place of the one-of-a-kind Rush Limbaugh. I think they're doing a great job. I invite you to give it a listen, Monday through Friday from 10 to 1 here on Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. All right, COVID-19 cases. They're going up again here in the state of Utah, And really up among younger Utahans, it's the highly contagious Delta variant of the virus that is causing all kinds of problems. Well, joining us on our Newsmaker Line to talk more about that is Dr. Brian Chiazawa. He is a former state lawmaker, now an adjunct associate professor at the University of Utah. Brian, thanks for joining us. Always great chatting with you. We've been updating people and getting your take on the virus over the past several months now. Tell us about this Delta variant. What is it, and why is it having such an impact, Brian?
11: Well, Rod, what we know is that there's a number of barriers. But the one that seems to be most concerning is the Delta variant. And Rod, this started in India several months ago, and it's hit the UK, and it's now the predominant form of the COVID virus now in the UK. And it's about 20% of the cases currently, according to CDC, here in our country. So it's, uh, it's here now.
0: Does it primarily affect a younger population, Brian? Is that what you're seeing?
11: You know, we see it, Rod, for a couple of reasons in the younger people. You're right. Part of it is in Utah and across the country, a lot of the younger people, meaning 12 to 18 and 18 and, and older, are less vaccinated than, say, older patients, those over, say, the age of 55. So just because there's more unvaccinated. We see it more in them. But there's interestingly, you're seeing a pop-up in, in certain areas like in Missouri and also in Nevada, for example, in some of the elementary schools. We're now seeing uh, this Delta variant pop up in, in those groups as well.
0: Do we know, Brian, why they're less vaccinated? I know we talked for a long, long time throughout this pandemic that the pandemic hits hardest among the older population and that younger people appear to be more resistant to it. Have they taken that into account, have heard that said and are saying, well, you know, I'm resistant to it. I'm not going to be vaccinated. Could that play a role in this?
11: Certainly it plays a role. After all, getting vaccinated is, is a personal choice. And since they're money, they depend on their parents and also on access to the vaccine.
3: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
9: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: We have seen a surge in the numbers of late. Brian, any thoughts as to why?
11: Well, we know a couple things about this Delta variant. And in fact, if in the latest reports that we have in Utah today, the Alpha variant is still by far the the most prominent, the B one one seven came out of Britain. But clearly growing in third place and moving up is the Delta variant. What we know about it is more transmissible. It's more infectious than the previous COVID nineteen. So if you haven't had the vaccine, you stand a greater chance of of getting this disease simply because it's more infectious. That's a little scary. And then the second thing, Rob, that's scary about it is we're worried that it might be more virulent, or in other words, the people who get it might be sicker. In other words, more symptoms, greater chance of being in the hospital, in the ICU, that sort of thing.
0: Describe, Brian, if you would, how a variant works. Does, does the infection or the virus say, okay, I can't get at it this way, I'm going to try this way and attack the body that way? How does a variant work?
11: Well, a variant is basically a mutation, if you want to think of it, and it's evolved uh, from the original COVID. And so if you look at the genetic sequencing on it, it's a little different. And so from a practical standpoint, you're probably right. This is a disease that's evolved a virus that's a little more efficient, maybe in some of its surface proteins or the way it resists some of the natural uh, defense mechanisms of our body so it's genetically determined mutation that is more infectious and hence it competes better than other forms of the virus in potential victims so you're right
0: can the vaccine be adjusted uh brian to protect the body against the delta variant or can the vaccine stand on its own and beat this variant as well
11: well, in answer to that, we know that so far the vaccinated patients, for the most part, are resistant to the Delta variant, which means, and, and almost as good as the original COVID virus. I've heard figures between 80 and 88% in the uh, effectiveness against variants. So just good evidence that, that yes, you, you probably should get vaccinated to prevent the variant. There's lots of reasons. But that's just in, from a very practical standpoint, it's a great reason to get vaccinated because the vaccines still work against all the variants so far.
0: Dr. Fauci said the other day that he feels the Delta variant probably poses right now the greatest threat to try and eradicating COVID-19. I mean, can we even eradicate COVID-19 right now, do you think, Brian? I mean, is that even a possibility or is this something that's going to be around? We're learning to control it through the vaccines. Can we even eradicate COVID-19?
11: From a practical standpoint, since we're such a big country with wide open borders, we probably can't uh, eradicate completely. There's many countries around the world that have far less vaccines than we do. India, Brazil, um, and countries like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. We probably can't. And probably one other thing that Dr. Fauci didn't mention in so many words is we're probably going to look at this like... get a flu vaccine this fall we'll probably get a flu vaccine and a covid booster and and we'll have to do that for the next year or two until we finally get rid of something and we get the immunity up so that we get the adequate herd immunity
0: i was going to ask you about that herd immunity as this as the virus continues and this history continues to grow more and more people are we either with the vaccine or naturally developing immunities to covid19 do you feel brian
11: Yes, we are, and we just need to get those percents up. If we can get that 70%, 80% range, Rob, we'll we'll really get a a good hold on this. We're just too low right now, and since we can't vaccinate young people or they don't get vaccinated, they're a natural reservoir. Even if they're healthy and and don't have uh, the obvious appearance of, of illness, like high fevers and the bad cough and maybe the other issues, there's still a reservoir. So, yes, we can, both through natural immunity, meaning you get it and you, and then you're immune, and then through the vaccines.
0: Dr. Brian Shiazawa from the University of Utah, former state lawmaker, talking about the Delta variant of benefit. Dial Pound 250 keyword stem cells or call 801
10: 655 2249. Put me on a highway, the interstate, state, a dirt road. Place, long as I'm long gone Chasing down blue skies in my old truck. the, world the radio. Sing along To my freedom song
4: The Rod Arquette Show On Talk Radio
0: 105.9 KNRS Now we sing the song of freedom Every afternoon right here On the Rod Arquette Show Now a lot of kids are out there Singing freedom We're out of school right now Right it's summertime Now, I never had the opportunity to go to a summer camp. I know a lot of kids do, and hey, that's fine. But what about working during the summer? I think having a summer job is very, very important. Now, I was very fortunate because my dad was a private business owner. I never had to go find a job. I worked for him. He made sure of that. But what about summer jobs and why teenagers should get a summer job instead of going to summer camp. Joining us on our Newsmaker Line to talk about that right now is Naomi Schaefer Riley. She is a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Naomi, always great chatting with you. Why is it so important that kids have a summer job in your opinion?
9: Well, I think there are a variety of reasons. I mean, sort of uh, personal reasons for kids. I mean, there's a lot that they can learn from summer jobs, Um, even the most menial jobs, of course. Uh, you know, teach kids how to be able to follow instructions and learn important lessons like the customer is always right, mm-hmm. uh, which I think later in life kind of translates, uh, you know, no matter what your job, when you're trying to uh, work in a business or, you know, even work with a boss, uh, that that um, arguing with the person in charge is not always the best plan. Um, but I also think that they, you know, they expose kids to understanding about, you know, how money is made, how taxes are taken out, um, how to work with people from different backgrounds. Um, And I think all those things are valuable lessons that unfortunately I think a lot of kids are are really missing out on these days.
0: You know, I was very fortunate growing up as a kid and a teenager. My father owned a couple of businesses, and he had all his sons, and there were three of us at the time, work for him. We never had to go look for a job. But he taught me, and I think I look back on this, and we've been able to teach our sons now, my wife and I, the value of work and how important that is.
9: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think... um, It's interesting this summer because of the labor shortage, you're seeing a lot of uh, businesses really become open to hiring um, hiring younger people, especially I mean in our own town i 've seen ads up you know assuring uh, from businesses saying we 'll take kids as young as fourteen to come work for us
7: mm-hmm.
9: um, and i 'm hoping that this is actually you know a trend that will that will have an effect because you know frankly um, there 's no reason why a 14 year old can 't take on uh, the kind of responsibility it you know to work in a store or something like that.
0: He also taught me never to be late for work because I was one time, <laughs> and he fired me. My father actually fired me, Naomi. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) For about a week, so that was a tough lesson to learn. But you also write in this article about colleges, and you say colleges are to blame for the lack of kids working sometimes. What do you mean by that?
9: Well, there are a couple of reasons there. I mean, I actually reflected on my own father's experience, uh, and he worked, you know, worked his way through college. Uh, He actually was able to make a significant dent in his college tuition um, by working over the summers as a busboy at a hotel in the Catskills. Um, By the time I started working over the summers, I mean, I was working and I was making, you know, not terrible money, but it was nowhere near a dent uh, in actual college tuition. So I think part of it is kind of a sense of the futility of working, um, if you're trying to pay for college, if your family is trying to pay for college, uh, that the summer job is really not going to help that much. But part of it also is what colleges want kids, seem to want kids to do over the summers. Um, a lot of that is, you know, unpaid internships, um, the kind of jobs that are not menial labor that you're supposed to, you know, learn something from, you know, uh, maybe maybe it's something like, you know, working in a science lab, or maybe it's something like working in a magazine. Um, and those can be, definitely be good experiences uh, but they're not jobs that are going to typically earn you money. And I think colleges really value that, frankly, more on a resume than, you know, I scooped ice cream, you know, for the, for the <laughs> summer, at, you know, in this beach town.
0: Yeah. Do you think kids today really want to work, Naomi?
9: Um, I think that they haven't been exposed to it enough. And it was interesting. We certainly saw around where we live when the lockdown happened, Um, Last summer, there were very few camps open, and I suddenly noticed this kind of entrepreneurial spirit coming from the local teenagers um, who were offering to kind of run their own little pod camps for kids. Uh, You know, in in people's backyards, you know, they were socially distanced and masked or whatever, but they would offer to, you know, entertain your 4-year-old or teach your 8-year-old how to play basketball or soccer or something like that. And you saw signs up around the neighborhood and ads on social media. And I think uh, it sort of exposed them to the, the the thrill maybe that you can get from entrepreneurship and the feeling that, you know, yes, I can earn money and and spend that money, and, and it's my own.
0: You also write about the fact that the summer job is inherently democratic. What do you mean by that?
9: Well, I think it used to be the case that uh, the kids who got summer jobs, um, you know, some of them were middle-class kids and some of them were lower-class kids, and they, you know, really had to work together in various ways. Like I said, you get exposed during the summer job, depending on what it is, you know, to a wide variety of kids from back from different backgrounds. Um, and I think it was one of the few times, actually, that, that kids in, uh, you know, in their late teens in particular had this exposure. Because once you sort of have those two roads of kids who go to college and kids who don't they often don't encounter each other again in that sort of uh, you know equal level work setting of say two people who are both you know being waiters mm-hmm. in a restaurant.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, do you recall the day you got your first paycheck? I mean, as I mentioned, I worked for my dad, and he paid me a whopping dollar an hour. And I worked 20 hours one week, and I got $20. And I thought that was great. Do you remember the feeling <laughs> you had, Naomi, yeah, the first time I mean, you got a check? I,
9: you know, I think I started babysitting probably around the age of 12. And even just thinking back to that, I mean, that's not, you know, a lot of uh, parents don't want, don't think their kids can be responsible at that age. Um, but I remember, like, having a regular babysitting job at 12, and then I probably my first real paycheck was going into my freshman year of high school. I had a job answering phones at my neighbor's glass company. And I remember, you know, working there, I don't know, 30 or 40 hours a week and coming home and, yeah, getting a paycheck, <laughs> seeing the taxes taken out, all all that fun stuff.
0: You know, a final question for you, Naomi. My, my wife is a farmer's daughter, and on, on farms... You're given a responsibility very early at a very early age. You know, farmer farm farm families know how to teach their kids responsibility, and I think that's one of the keys when it comes to having a summer job. You learn to be responsible.
9: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that you know so much of the the what what happens there is that you have another adult who's in charge of your children. I think, you know, we're, we're probably all a little soft on our kids, and even if we assign them chores, like, we're like, hey, you know, if you didn't do it this week, it's fine, I'll still pay your allowance. But, you know, the boss will not. <laughs> and so it's nice to kind of have another adult involved there who might hold the line a little bit uh, more than you would.
0: Naomi Schaefer Riley, a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, talking about sending kids to work and not to camp. This summer, more coming up on Thrive the Appliance and Utah Taking Stock Center Radio today on the and And Scott Dias is joining me to tell us all about Thrive Appliance. First of all, before we get into many of the features that you have,
5: tell people again what Thrive Appliance is and what your approach is when it comes to people who need appliances. Uh, at Thrive Appliance, what we do is we offer factory-new, scratch-and-dent appliances that are available to be picked up when you need them. Okay,
0: so they're right there.
5: Right there in our showrooms.
0: All right. Now, a lot of people ordering new appliances are having to wait because of the pandemic and everything else. Anywhere from three to six months. Is that the case with Thrive Appliance?
5: No, that's the beauty of it. You know, we have two locations to serve you, Salt Lake City and Pleasant Grove, consisting of over 22,000 square feet of retail space. So when it comes to appliances of all levels, from high-end studio-grade appliances down to the rental apartment appliance that people might be looking for, to the garage refrigerator that you may need, Mm -hmm. we can cover all aspects of the appliance need. And the beauty of it is right now, as you said, with the climate being the way it is, not being able to get those new appliances, you can pick them up today right when you need them.
0: You say scratch and dent. How thoroughly do you test the appliances to make sure they function properly before somebody buys one?
5: Yeah, every appliance is obviously in both showrooms. We have full testing facilities. So on washers and dryers, we are putting the hoses to them. We are filling them to capacity with clothes to making sure that drums spin properly. There's nothing out of balance. There's no leakage, water fill, and spin is all working. Dryers then get the full cycle as well to make sure they completely dry all the clothes as well as all the appliances.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned you have two locations, one in Pleasant Grove and Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm.
5: What will people see when they go into your, your, uh, your locations? Uh, people, and if you go into our Salt Lake City, you're going to see 15,000 square feet. We're talking probably 150 on-display appliances at least. Some new overstock, completely in the box, brand-new appliances. Others with what I like to say, instead of scratch and dent, a little bit of love on them. <laughs>
0: all right. F- now. Full functionality is what we always sell. <laughs> all right. Now let me ask you this again. You have an offer right now. What, forty to sixty percent off? What's uh, that?
5: Our average running price right now is forty to sixty percent off of retail on all units. All right, if you want to find out more
0: and check it out today, just go online to thriveappliance.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E dot com. Thrive, premium ice cream, and early American history. Take the Liberty Bell Monumental Sunday Challenge in Harriman, Friday at 7 (laughs) p.m. All right, welcome back. Final segment of the Rod Arquette Show with you on this Thursday. Don't forget tomorrow, thank Rod, it's Friday, and we may have some very special guests on the show tomorrow, So, and it, it could be a delicious show. and We'll explain what that's all about tomorrow starting at 4 right here on the Rod Arquette Show. Now, you've heard us talk a lot lately. As a matter of fact, for the past several months, About a campaign here in the state of Utah called Live On. Live On is a public-private partnership trying to prevent suicide here in the state of Utah. Our iHeartMedia radio stations here in Salt Lake City working with the uh, state of Utah and the Strong Auto Group to educate all of you about suicide. And we've been doing a number of interviews. Well, joining us right now to talk more about how their organization is involved in this is Josh Hansen. Josh is the co-founder of Continue Mission, and he's on our newsmaker line right now. Josh, thanks for joining us tonight. Exactly what is Continue Mission?
12: Uh, Continue Mission is a nonprofit that I started for veterans uh, with service-connected mental, physical, and emotional injuries from their time in service. Uh, myself, I was injured in Iraq, and spent three months in the hospital, time recovering. And during that time, I I lost um, uh, five veterans to suicide here at home. And I started the program to get veterans back together again, outside doing events together, and and building that network uh, for each other to support one another, and to continue mission and life and healing. Hence the name, "Continue Mission."
0: Josh, when we talk about suicide prevention in the state, of course, a lot of the attention gets focused on teenagers because that's a high number here in the state of Utah. And we shouldn't we shouldn't not look at that. But you know, would people be surprised as the impact it has on veterans?
12: Oh, definitely. That's um, we've really been impacted hard with suicide amongst our veterans, and and just trying to get them out of the house and, and doing activities uh, together because um, with my post-traumatic stress from the war and my depression and anxiety, it's really hard a lot of the times to get out that front door and get out and do something, um, and which is so important because physical activity is so important for our mental health. And If we can get these veterans out cycling with us, uh, this morning we went paddle boarding, anything active together really helps. Uh, Helps your mental health, and, and builds on that to sit and support one another.
0: What was your experience like, Josh, if you don't mind? Was it difficult to get outside, to interact with others during this difficult period you were going through? What was that like?
12: Oh, it was, it was so difficult. I mean, I was at the point where after my injuries in Iraq, I felt like I was such a burden on my family because my wife had to quit her job to take care of me, trying to get me healed. And I honestly felt, you know, if I died by suicide, everyone around me would be much happier and they could move on with life. And then one of my soldiers died by suicide, and that was a huge wake-up call to me to say, that is not the answer. Uh, Going to the funeral and seeing how it upset the family members was so traumatic to me. I was like, that was my turning point to say, I've got to get professional help, get myself out and moving, and, and... take care of myself and my fellow uh, military personnel to make sure this stops happening and we can support one another.
0: How key, Josh, was that professional help to your recovery?
12: Uh, having the professional help was was immense for me. Um, and that helped with my, my wife who joined me as well, and it helped work through the situations I was going through and it was solid. I, I really needed that professional help. And then, and then on top of that, getting out and doing activities and starting to get my life back again. Those that don't suffer from depression don't realize how hard it is for us to get out that door to walk around the block and realize, hey, these problems aren't that bad. Um, I look back to where I had thoughts of dying by suicide. You know, my daughter was three you know and now i mean i have two grandchildren i have there's so much on life i would have missed if i wouldn't have gotten the professional help and and stayed active and started the organization to get other veterans together to help support one another
0: this is all of course part of the uh, live on campaign that iHeartMedia media and strong Automotive, the, the strong auto group in the state of utah are doing to reduce the number of suicides or eliminate them here in the state of utah why is it so important, Josh, um, in your opinion, to get veterans together and to talk and to have activities? Is it an effort just to get their mind off things if you can? What are you trying to do?
12: With our organization, what's been so powerful is the veterans are meeting each other in the organization. They're out doing fun activities together like pickleball, disc golf, uh, cycling, paddle boarding, and they are able to continue, uh, communicate to each other and that peer support of one another and building the network of friends. Now they find out, Oh, Hey, so-and-so only lives a block away from me. When they're having that horrible day, they can contact that individual or anyone in our organization, talk to them, go out for a walk, uh, go for a bike ride. And that is what we all need. We need that human interaction, not just our phones and, and social media. We need to get together, and do activities in person. I think that's why our organization works so well. They have that network to go to when they need help.
0: The post-traumatic stress that a lot of veterans go through. Did veterans who were served earlier go through the same thing, the wars, Vietnam, Korea, other wars that this country has been involved in, but we just didn't recognize what it was, Josh?
12: Definitely. Uh, my grandfather is a World War II veteran. He'd uh, put raw meat on the table, and he'd have you know flashbacks to when he was a medic during World War II, and he would just walk out of the room sometimes. Uh, my father is a Vietnam veteran who, unfortunately, wasn't even able to get help from the system until almost the 90s due to the fact of you know how they were treated and came home, and a lot of them just backed away and just didn't even talk about things. Um, so the issues were there. I don't think they were as greatly understood as they are nowadays. And, you know, it's great to see, you know, I'm constantly telling veterans to get in and get help. Um, you know, a lot of veterans need to get registered with the VA and start through that process. Even if they don't feel like they have post-traumatic stress, go in and have the testing done. And let's make sure we're getting taken care of.
0: Is there a resource you would recommend? I know the uh, the Live On uh, campaign has a tremendous resource center available online. Is there one specific for the continue mission that you would recommend? Or how do people, you know, who are struggling with this find help? Where should they go, Josh?
12: Well, our organization we um, is at continuemission.org. But the professionals would be contacting the VA. Uh, like you say, there are great other websites out there like just. Utah Suicide Coalition websites, um, you know, locating that stuff. Find a network or an organization that is helping yourself uh, or helping, you know, we're not the only veteran organization in Utah, and if if our program doesn't have what they need, if they find other ones and start building that network and having that lifeline to to help each other is incredible. um, So we need to take care of one another.
0: The co-founder of Continue Mission, Josh Hansen, joining us here talking about the Live On campaign with iHeartMedia, the state of Utah, and the Strong Auto Group. All right, that does it for us tonight. Head up, shoulders back. May God bless you and your family. Thanks for joining us. It is Thank Rod. It's Friday tomorrow, and it will be a delicious one. Make sure you tune in to find out what we're up to. That's tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody.